the recording on my end. Uh, give me a mic check. One, two, three, four, five, oh, six, seven, eight, nine, you, ten. Which is fine. That's my fault, not yours. Uh, okay. And one more time. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Perfect. Okay. And then I just need to go into Zooms. And it's just my backup and what I use to publish stuff in the event of a fire. It's also uh-huh. how I get your audio. So there's Great. that. All right. Let me, because I feel like, I always feel like I'm missing something the second that I, I start. Yep. Figured it out. All right. Let me stop that. Restart that. Yeah, I had this problem the last time and I was like, wait a minute, why is this not working? <laughs> right. All right, cool. So we are we are good to go. If you, do you have any uh last questions before we jump right in? Um can't really think of anything. I think we're good to go. Awesome. Okay, so there'll be a, a little air of silence in there just so I know this is where the episode started, and then we will jump right in. After I cough. <coughs> I'm sitting here with Mike Young from Pear Circuit. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, Jay? I'm doing great. You know, it's been a, a good week so far. And I, I'm, you know, as we talked about a little bit beforehand, I've got some good interviews tonight. And I'm really looking forward to getting into them. And I'm looking forward to learning a little bit more about what you've got going on. Well, awesome. I'm happy to tell you about it. And I'm, I'm really excited to be uh, on the uh, new se- season of uh, Productivity in Tech. So it's uh, going to be a really fun episode, I hope. Absolutely. Let's start by uh, having you introduce yourself, talking a little bit about what you do and uh, and some of the awesome things you've got going on. Sure. Well, um, I'm the CEO of, as you said, a company called Pear Circuit. We're located in Fishers, Indiana. So for those of you who don't know, that's very close to Indianapolis. Um, and we've been doing a development work with all kinds of different companies for uh, five, almost six years now. And what we do uh, is, is partner with companies that... Um, Oh, this could be companies or nonprofits who have a really strong understanding of uh, a market space or a problem uh, or have a really clear vision uh, for how they want to change the world. Uh, and they know all the people and they know all the pitfalls and all the possible solutions uh, to, to whatever problem they're working on, but they don't really know a lot about technology. So what we do is we kind of come in, uh, partner with them, and we provide a lot of expertise around software. So how do you design a minimally viable product? How do you go out and validate that you built the right thing? Um, how do you know when you're writing too much code? Um, and uh, how do you maintain and build a really scalable code base? So you can kind of think of it as a partnership where we have a lot of technical knowledge and we work with people who know all kinds of stuff about uh, really important problems in spaces like healthcare, education, or civics. And we partner with them to help them change the world at a, a scalable level um, in a way that uses a lot of really cool technology. So I'm going to try something new here. You, you said four things there, I, I believe. I, I, was, I couldn't write them all down fast enough. Um, you work <laughs> with people that have an exact idea of what they're trying to accomplish, but need help on the technical side. So one of the often things that developers hear, especially people who freelance or work with uh, other companies or parent companies, is... I have the idea in my head. I just got to figure out how to get it onto, you know, the screen. And and with that, 
that's when you usually know like okay now's the time to panic because that means they're gonna have an opinion about every single thing that i do how does it work when you are a company doing yeah so that's a good question um well oftentimes uh when people have a vision for what they want uh they envision what the outcome that they want is going to be but they may not have a clear picture of what they need to get there they just have a preconceived notion um, and so when we're working uh, to build prototypes um, or to take some designs that we have and translate them into an actual product, um, that's the first opportunity for other people to interact with it and provide feedback. And actually, um, it's intimidating, like you said, but it's actually very important uh, to get that feedback. It's the most important part of building uh, any piece of software is having people interact with it and tell you if they liked it or they hated it or they were confused or they loved it. Um, and so uh, when you think about uh, the resistance that we all have internally to going out and, and building something and subjecting it to feedback and criticism, uh, that's probably the one impulse that is most important to overcome in our industry, because without it, uh, without that feedback and criticism, you have no idea if you are investing a ton of effort into something that doesn't actually achieve what your vision is um, in, in the real world. So how, how is it working with so many companies that have a vision and you don't necessarily, well, I don't want to say you don't share their vision, but like their mission is not your mission. Your mission is to help them accomplish their mission. You know, how, how does it feel knowing that like you don't, you're not directly connected to, you know, I'm trying to find one. I'm on, I'm on the website here, 700 rivers. Like I've never heard of 700 rivers. I don't know what they do. I'm sure when they reached out to you, they were like, hey, we're 700 Rivers, we do stuff. And you were like, oh, that's cool. Now here's how I can help you. <laughs> how, how, did, how does that work? Well, um, I don't think we've ever had a situation where we don't believe uh, in the same vision that someone else is, is working on, at least as far as I can think back um, through our history. So um, I actually don't know how to answer that question because everyone that we've worked with has been working on something that's really cool. Uh, that impacts a lot of people in a really positive way. Um, and it's very easy to get excited about because, um, first of all, the mission of a lot of these companies and organizations is something that we buy into on an intellectual level, but also just working with the people who are our customers uh, has a second level of motivation because the, the passion and intensity that they have for all of the uh, work that we're doing and, and that we're doing together uh, kind of rubs off on you after a while. So I don't think we've ever had a situation where we haven't been fired up about uh, something that we're trying to build. Um, and if that does happen in the future, I'm going to come back on this podcast and tell you how we were able to get over that hump, but we haven't, uh, we haven't dealt with that yet. No Good question. though. I, I like that answer. And, and that's something that um, companies that are, I will say, hmm, I'm trying to think of the word companies that are in it for the right reasons are, are doing is if, if you don't agree with, what's happening um i don't know if you've seen this movie it's it's ridiculous but it's like sorry to bother you and the movie that's the name of the movie the movie is called sorry to bother you yes <laughs> um <laughs> i forgive you okay yeah it's a, cool. it's a very strange movie um and, and without going into too much detail basically the guy works for a call center he doesn't know what they're selling he just knows that i need to sell more of it and he starts coming up with all these tactics to sell more and he finds out that as he becomes one of the better sellers in the company, 
they're working with like eco terrorists and arms dealers and it My gets God. to a point. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely one of those situations where it's like, it's taken to the extreme, but it gets to a point where like, he's making so much money doing the thing that he doesn't agree with that. He's just like, I, what do I do? Do I just block this out? Do I, do I just keep doing what I'm doing? Like, like what is happening here? And and it winds up, you know, again, it, it spirals out of control eventually. But it's good to hear that um, you're not going to be, you know, building a better world for like arms dealers and <laughs> like eco terrorists. <laughs> yeah, um, we're not going to do that. And I, I don't think we ever will, at least not while I'm a part of the company. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, we're, we'll definitely... Uh, uh, try to avoid, avoid hanging out with the wrong crowd. We're, we're really lucky in, in a lot of ways. I mean, first of all, we have an awesome team and we have a really great uh, in, industry that we're in, but we also have really great clients. And um, one of the things that uh, is a nice benefit of, of the situation that we're in is uh, we can turn down work if we feel like it's not a good fit. And, and that could be either we don't align with the mission uh, of whoever we'd be working with uh, or uh, that we don't, have the technical skill set or the capacity uh, to deal with that. And there have been a few instances where we said, hey, this is not a project we feel comfortable taking on, either because uh, we're not sure if we're the right fit or maybe it's not something that we feel super passionately about. Um, and in those cases, we've uh, made recommendations to other firms or said, here's some options. Um, a lot of times, and now I'm, I'm sort of going on a tangent here, um, but you sparked something in, in my train of thought, which I think was your goal all along as a good podcast host. Um, but a lot of times uh, we're also asked to do development work for companies that do not need a software product or don't need development. Um, uh, or they're too early to know if they do or not. And um, we've had situations where people are like, how much does it cost to build this? And we're like, I can't really tell you because you don't really know what it's going to take uh, to actually solve this problem. Does it require a native app? Does it require a web application? Uh, are people solving it uh, without software already? And, and maybe you never will need software to, to address this issue. Um, and so we've uh, we've turned down contracts uh, to go out and build products that we, while we would be happy to take the money, wouldn't be doing the customer any benefit um, and it would be setting them up uh, for failure, basically. So um, it's nice to be in that position because we get to pick projects we really believe in, but we can also pick projects that... Uh, uh, we think we're actually adding some value to, to the process. And, and that's been uh, super rewarding uh, for us because it makes makes us feel a lot better about what we do. And, and I think that that is one of the things that is necessary for, for you to not feel burned out on the... Because, I mean, one of the things that I see so often is people are told to, you know, when you get your start in programming, you have to, you know, work... And you may not have any investment in the work that you're doing. And I think that's a terrible way, like, to get started in any industry. Like, if I don't, if I don't care about the job that I'm doing, I'm not going to do a good job. And right. it's, it's interesting that we still believe that that's okay to do in, in software development where, you know, a lot of software engineers are considered some of the most brilliant people on the planet, but yet we're still foolish by saying, Hey, you know, sometimes you're going to have to, you know, I can't even think of a good example just because I've never tried to put myself in that situation where it's like, Hey, you're going to have to, you know, convert PHP code to, 
uh, Erlang or something. I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh! Usually it's the other way around, right? I think um, so. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I know what you mean. It's it's hard to learn anything uh, that you're not passionate about. Uh, you're not going to have success in that industry. Um, I think we found from we're actually hiring right now, right? And so uh, I've been we've been pretty lucky to get a lot of applications, which has been great. Um, but the thing that always stands out to us is uh, I'll go look at somebody's like GitHub, for example. I'll look at their commit history and I'll see what they've worked on. Sometimes it's public, sometimes it's not. Uh, but the thing that matters the most to us is to just see like a uh, really uh, frequent recurring pattern of commits and, and activity. Um, like, uh, you know, people are working like on Saturday on a personal project, that sort of thing. Uh, you can tell from a resume who's uh, passionate about, uh, you know, the position but you can tell from like GitHub uh, who's actually passionate about like learning new languages and like getting into development and working on all kinds of cool projects. And like that, I think is a, a, the key indicator for us on whether or not we're going to interview with someone um, is like, not do they work on the weekends, right? But like, do they enjoy what they're doing so much that they're spending their free time learning new things and working on cool projects? Well, you've, you've heard the scoop here that they the Pear Circuit is hiring because I just went on the job positions board to see what they had, and it says nothing. So Yeah, someone <laughs> someone needs to talk to the CEO about that. Um, <laughs> that's a mistake. Yes, uh, I'll actually I'll, I'll send you a link, Jay, and if you want to put it out there, you can. Uh, if you're in Indiana and looking for a development job, we'd love to have you. And even if you're not, I'd still like to talk to you. Um, uh, and convince you to move here, if, if nothing else. So that was that was something that I did write down. Is that you know you're you're in Silicon cornfield, uh, yeah. <laughs> Fishers, Indiana. You know, not necessarily in San Francisco or you know L.A. or New York, any of the normal tech centers. Why is Indiana the place for for Pear Circuit and not one of these other areas? Jay, you've asked like my favorite question ever. Um, so when you think about, well, there's, there's a couple different levels that you can answer that question. There's an economic reason, right? So uh, uh, companies that are on the coast uh, are paying uh, more for development because there's a higher cost of living associated with uh, these major cities. Um, and, and so uh, uh, their dollar doesn't go as far. Um, and, you know, you, you see the effects of this. People are looking to outsource work to, let's say, India, for example. Well, if you're looking to build software uh, and one of your options is to outsource to India and the other is to keep it in the United States, uh, I think most companies based here in the U.S. Uh, would want to take the U.S. route if they could make it work economically. And, um, you know, why outsource something to India when you can outsource it to Indiana? Um, for companies on the East Coast, we're in the same time zone. We're a 30, oh, sorry, 90 minute flight uh, from Indianapolis to pretty much any major city. Um, so we could even meet in person if necessary. Uh, we're governed by the same laws, uh, but we're a lot cheaper. Uh, the cost of living in Indiana is very, very low compared to some of these major cities. Uh, San Francisco uh, is much more expensive. So what that translates into is uh, we can pay our employees uh, in absolute dollars a little bit less than what they're making on the coast, uh, but they actually take home more money uh, in terms of what their dollars can buy. So they have better purchasing power. So that's the economic reason, right? Um, but there's another reason, which is um, harder to quantify on paper, but I think uh, more important. And it's that in Indy, um, we feel like we are a part of something that is bigger than what we are. I think if we were in a larger city like New York or San Francisco or even Chicago, we'd feel like just another company or group of developers. 
uh, one of many, many fish in a, a big pond. Uh, and that's not to say that India is not a big city. We're, I think we're the 11th largest city in, in the country. Um, but we have access here um, just by asking people. We can go meet with, uh, I've met with people who started, uh, I've met with the CEO of a company called Exact Target, which, which was acquired is now part of Salesforce. Back to downtown, the Salesforce Tower is now the tallest building uh, in India. Uh, I've been able, so I've been able to talk to him. Like I've been able to meet with the, the former CEO of Angie's List, um, and and all these other really cool companies. And the way I've been able to talk to them has has been so cool. You could just reach out to someone on Twitter uh, or ask a friend if they'd be willing to make an introduction. And like around here, everybody does that. Um, and and so these people who you might think you'd never have access to or, or be able to learn from uh, in in some of these other cities are are very open here. And um, that I think is that whole community aspect of it is is really powerful um, because it makes you feel like you're part of an ecosystem and that you matter here, um, and it, it's a it's also a great opportunity to to build something bigger. And so for me, you know, that's like the real motivator. The economics is a nice side effect, but um, it's the, really the people I think that are the the bigger asset for the state. You know, as someone who grew up in in rural Tennessee and. And is now living in, you know, the city of, in San Diego. It is it is definitely a different feeling. Um, some would say it's slower, but I, I think that it's it's kinder. It's it's more intentional. People are are doing the things that they want to do. They are doing the things that they enjoy doing. Whether it's a uh, keeping the the family tradition going, you know, I don't I don't know of any locations in uh, in where we live that you know were passed down you know from father to son other than the the you know i mean even the the company at my day job uh that's that's a company that they started out in like rural utah and they were in uh, the founder was in the military and during world war ii got out of the military was stationed in san diego and said you know what i'm gonna start a life here and They've kept a lot of those family values and a lot of that um, approachability to their company. And I, I think that's something that you don't necessarily get in a Bay Area or in a large metropolitan because, one, everybody is traveling to the metropolitan. There are very few people that are originally from the metropolitan so yeah, um and there's a lot of there's a lot of distance um just personally and and a lot of things that come with that too uh i mean my commute to work is like almost it can be up to an hour and a half if traffic is bad wow and and that is something that i mean it would take me an hour and a half to go from like one city to the next in tennessee like yeah. i could get from knoxville to chattanooga in an hour and a half yeah, exactly. um, whereas here it's like, oh, you've got to go 15 miles. Well, have fun sitting in gridlock. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow, that's um, yeah, you're you're making me happier that we didn't, uh, you know, move out there because uh, I, India is a, an automobile city, and uh, we love our cars, and uh, we don't drive around on the Beltway. We try to qualify uh, and see who can go the fastest, uh, so we can qualify for the 500 around 465, which is our like Beltway. So we like driving, but we do not like sitting in traffic. And I don't think anybody really does. Um, but um, I'm very happy. As much as I like cars and and the 500, I I don't want to spend an hour and a half in one every day. So that's uh, and that's one way I think you said. So yeah. 
Definitely. Yeah. And, and one of the one of the cool things that that I would see as well as we don't necessarily need more people in, in these areas, in these <laughs> Bay areas. Like, yeah, like well, these, hey, send them here, you know, send and, here because we can, uh, there's work for them. And, uh, not only that, uh, uh, there's their, like I said, their dollars go further. Um, and, and so, uh, and they can work on real problems that impact a lot of people in a really, uh, serious and substantive way. Uh, and they can earn more, uh, doing it uh, in terms of real purchasing power. So send them over. It's a it's an indie shop working out of indie, looking yeah. for any indie developers to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> any any indie indie developers. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I this like is that. actually a this is not a paid advertisement, but uh, the state of Indiana has hijacked this podcast. I so. like it. Hey, if if the state of Indiana has the funds and they want to sponsor us, that's fine. I'll, <laughs> I'll take a visit. You know. Uh, I can't speak on behalf of anyone official, but uh, <laughs> maybe well, one day. We'll well, and, and we've we've shared we've had plenty of conversations before in the past regarding you know some of, of this stuff and, and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to have you onto the show is you can tell like when you have the guy on like four months ago that's tweeting out hey I finally got my business license I'm gonna get this thing going I'm gonna do it right like that and like the fact that you just jumped in and was like hey man if you need any help let me know and I was like. Uh, okay, <laughs> like I, I don't, I don't necessarily know what that is, but yeah. as soon as I figure it out, I'll tell you. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm, you know, it's funny. I'm not even sure how I first found out about you. I may have, I may have followed you by accident. I do that sometimes. But hey, I saw you tweeted that, and I was like, dude, I'm starting a company too. Like, good luck. Let me know if I can help. And uh, yeah, here we are. Pretty funny. So, so that is that is a lesson to anyone listening. Just randomly follow people, you know, even if it's by accident. You never know who you'll find in there. You'll find like the CEO of Pear Circuit, and he'll try to get you to move to Indiana. Which I, I mean, I can. I have some relatives that live in Michigan. I mean, I'm sure my wife wouldn't be too upset with that. But at the same time, I don't know. It's kind of cold up there. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. It, the weather is not our best asset. But uh, I will. If I'm, I'm not kidding about this. If you. Want a job in Indiana? I will find a way to get you here because that's that's something that we're really uh, we're all really pulling together for is is how do we how do we make the state a better place to live and work? And part of doing that is finding people who are uh, the best people in the world at what they do and bringing them here. So yeah, but we can we can end the commercial for the state because uh, I actually <laughs> I actually had a couple of questions for you if we got if we got time uh, to to talk about that or did you want to keep asking me stuff? Because I'm happy to to keep answering. So I have one more question, and after that, we'll save the questions you have for me for the after show. Okay, uh, here, Here's the last question. So you've mentioned having having this trouble working in, in a rural, and I'm pretty sure this this is going to be the, like, let's learn a little bit about Indiana uh, podcast sure. now. Uh, so <laughs> you, you definitely would have, you know, there's not a thousand people, like, knocking at your door saying, like, oh, hey, I just graduated from Stanford, and now I'm looking for you know, an internship, how has it been not only starting a new company, but a company with such a strong vision that requires so much? Because, I mean, you don't know what your clients are going to require until you're in the thick of it. But then at the end of it, it's like, okay, I might need someone who knows or at least has the ability to learn Scala, JavaScript, and Ruby on Rails, you know, and how how has it been trying to find people in a non tech haven that are capable of accomplishing that thing? And what are some of the things that you've done to to do that? 
other than coming on podcasts and, and pimping out your state? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, so that's a really good question. And um, I don't have the answer to that question all the way figured out. Uh, I've got some theories and we're doing some experiments to find out what the answer could be, but I don't really know uh, for sure what the answer is yet. Um, I would say that in this state and in any state, uh, there are tons of people who are super smart and super motivated. And uh, I don't think it's a problem where we lack ability um, or interest, really. Uh, it's just that around here, you have to do a better job of maybe communicating what it is you're looking for and also communicating to people um, who are talented um, and are you know, being pulled in a thousand different directions by all these companies that want to hire them, why they should work for you. So I kind of view it as a, a burden on the employer uh, or an obligation on the employer uh, to articulate, like, why would you want to work here? And what would be rewarding beyond just a paycheck? Uh, uh, and, and making that case to, to the people who've got the potential to, to actually do the work. Um, I've been amazed at the quality of students that are coming out of not just our, uh, our colleges, because we do have some great schools here, uh, but also uh, some of the non-traditional uh, or sort of apprenticeship like learning programs um, that, that are uh, starting to pop up and become more common. And uh, in fact, our, our first hire was actually a guy uh, who, who did uh, this program called Free Code Camp. And uh, he's, I think he started out as a, as a student and uh, by the end was actually writing codes and, and modules and, and tests for uh, the actual courses. So um, that was a guy who lived in Indiana and uh, didn't go to school for that, but was just super smart, like crazy, crazy smart and, and super passionate and, and taught himself. So to kind of sum up and answer your question, um, the people who are capable of doing this work live in this state and, and around it. Um, and it's, it's really more a challenge for businesses to differentiate. Why would that person want to work for you? And, um, like I said, I don't think we have the, the perfect answer, but, uh, I'm trying to make the case. And, and I think successfully so far, um, I hope that uh, our company is one of the uh, places where you can work and you can have a really positive impact on a lot of people um, uh, very quickly. And, and so I think if we can continue to tell that story, we'll keep finding uh, people who can come in and, and fill those roles because the potential is, is definitely here. I love that answer. And in fact, I loved it so much. It made me think of another quick question. If We'll answer this in about yes. 15 seconds. And after that, I promise you, uh, after show. But that being said, what would you say to the developer that isn't in the Bay Area that is sitting in, you know, where I grew up in, in Sweetwater, Tennessee or or Macon, Georgia or uh, Fishers, Indiana? What would you say to them when they want to be a developer, but everybody is telling them, oh, you got to move to New York City. Oh, you got to move to, you know, Los Angeles or, or San Francisco if you want to do it. And they love where they're from. They love the things that keep them in that area? What would you say to them when they're looking for that job? Well, I think if you love where you live, then you have a duty to that place to make it the best place that you can make it. And I also think that uh, sometimes, especially if you're in the Midwest, we may have this attitude that it's uh, maybe if we're lucky, we can make the next Facebook or the next Twitter. Um, and, and we can go work on that in California and we'll own some equity. Um, and uh, somebody else will run it, but we can be a part of that. And I would say you need to switch your mindset and not think about how we, you can be a part of the next Facebook or, or Twitter or, or LinkedIn or whatever big tech company there is out there. 
but instead start to think about how you could make the people at those companies wish that they were the first you and what you're building. Um, because uh, you can build it where you live. You can build it with the people around you who, who uh, love the state that you're in as much as you do. And um, you can, it's achievable. And you've got certain advantages where you live that uh, people in other cities don't have. And you should take advantage of that. Uh, I know we're doing it here in Indianapolis. Other cities uh, have different benefits and, and different drawbacks. And so um, you've got an opportunity and, and you should seize it um, because you've got an obligation to the people who live where you do to try to make your state or your city the best place it can possibly be. I love that answer. And I'm going to I'm going to end the actual show there. So that means it's time for the after show where, oh, as great. always, I flip the host button around. It is no longer my <laughs> show. It is the well, indie, indie, indie show uh, with Mike <laughs> Young. And Mike, go ahead and take it away. Uh, I've still got to I got to get about 20 minutes before we definitely have to uh, hang it up. So excellent. at this point, the floor is yours. Well, thanks. Well, uh, first of all, before I start to ask you questions and, and interrogate you, uh, I just wanted to say thanks for having me on. It's uh, a, it was a really cool uh, opportunity for me, and it's a big honor. So I'm, I'm really happy to be able to be on with you. And um, I am eagerly awaiting listening to all the future episodes that are going to come out from this season as well. Um, so thanks again. Absolutely. Hmm. And and thank you for you know, bringing a different perspective, like I said, the best, the best podcasts are the ones where the plan gets thrown out the window and you just kind of figure it out. Like, had I known I would be having a discussion with, you know, someone from a, not a small town, but like not from the Bay area. I mean, I'm talking to someone from Oakland in like 30 minutes, so (laughs) I'm going to have to switch it up in a second, but you know, don't talk to them about football because, uh, Colts (laughs) as of, as the time of this recording are still in the playoffs and the Raiders, uh, cannot be be said. They've been out of the playoffs since like week seven. So it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Of like 2010. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Okay. That's a bit mean. Uh, I'm sure Oakland is nice. Uh, but, but yeah, uh, man. So, so I got to ask you a question. So I had all these questions kind of queued up and now I'm, I'm sort of like struggling to think of them, but um, has anyone asked you like what prompted you to get into tech uh, in the first place? Like, I mean, you were not born writing code, right? So, like, how'd you get started, and, and what was interesting to you that got you that got you into it? I mean, I'm sure at some point someone asked me that question, like <laughs> at, a, at like a job interview or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, when I grew, I grew up around a bunch of musicians. So for me, my my dream was to be a rock star. Like, I wanted to be. I, I was a guitarist. I started playing guitar at like eight and. You know, when I was at when I was 17, I graduated from high school and immediately like moved out and started jamming with people and doing, you know, playing in bands and stuff. And I got invited by some people to do a tour. And I learned really quickly just doing like a a little like week and a half, like on the road doing like four shows. I was like, no, I hate this. (laughs) Like, I don't want to do this. This sucks. Um, But then I remember just always having this desire to love tech and and figure it out and and i've always been a, a quirky person kind of a, a weird person like i i remember uh one of the funny stories that i always share with people is the first time i ever uh took apart a computer was when i was four and it was because my grandfather showed me how to work a screwdriver so i proceeded to take apart his gateway 2000 pc <laughs> and uh, he nice. made me put it back together and it, it did take a couple of years to get that back together in one piece and he did luckily it oh, was an excuse God. for him to buy another computer but um it was one of those scenarios where i i've always had this interest in in how things work 
in, in that way. So for me, the I originally went to college to be a, a hardware engineer and I learned like, this is kind of boring and I don't like this and it's complicated and I've already done enough calculus in high school. I don't want to do it in college too. So I dropped out of college. Like kids don't drop out of college. It's a bad idea. But if you're going to drop out of college, have a plan. So uh, I joined the military and, and I, I did systems in, in you know the Marine Corps and got out and kept doing systems. And now I'm, you know, my day job is marketing. It's kind of funny. Like I'm a marketing person now, but I have a six years of, of Python experience, three years of JavaScript experience, you know? So it's like, I can, it's funny. Like my boss now will say, Hey, you know, we need, you know, we have this list of, of contacts and we need them all like categorized and stuff and tagged. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. And I'm done in like 10 minutes. And he goes, how did you do that? And it's like, well, you know, when you know how to program, <laughs> you do a lot of things. And, and now, now my nickname there is Scripto. So it's like, hey, Scripto, I need you to, I need you to build something. That's hilarious. That's a good nickname to have. Did you have the same nickname when you were in the Marines? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to tell me what. What if, if you had one there? You don't have to tell me. We just all went by our last names in the Marine Corps. So I was just Miller. Okay. <laughs> all right. You know, that's uh, it. Could have been worse. You know. So cool. Well, I didn't, I didn't know you were in the Marines, so, so thank you for your service. But also, um, what prompted you to, to, to choose the military? Uh, I, I know you said you dropped out, right? But surely you had other options. Like, What made you feel like you wanted to go that way? Um, well, it was, it was one of those things where I, I kind of had to eat my words. <laughs> um, so, I, again, always, always very charismatic and, and colorful with how I express things. And, and there was always a phrase that my mom used called, uh, and she's like, as long as you have a pot to piss in and a window to throw it out of. So I had, yeah, I know, right? So I uh, I had this apartment that I was in and, and a buddy of mine came up one day and was like, hey, you know, I'm joining the Marine Corps. Uh, you know, I see what you're doing. And, and, you know, at the time I was actually like running this like web design company kind of like underground like hey i'll build your website for like 500 bucks so i can pay my rent like that that was kind of the 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 get up and he was like hey man you should do this you know you have the ambition you have the the spirit to do it uh and i was like i will not join the military unless i don't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of and like a week and a half later the company the realty company that owned the place that i was staying at um they sold the company and they basically said, Hey, we're going to increase your rent by $600. And I was like, well, I'm an 18 year old kid. I can't, <laughs> you know, do that. Yeah, I can't afford yeah. that. So they, all right, well, you're going to have to leave then. And I was like, okay. So then, you know, fast forward, I'm in a new place and stuff. And the guy comes back and he goes, Hey, so I see, uh, I see you don't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of anymore. And I was like, shut up and, you know, take me to the recruiting <laughs> station. So, <laughs> you know, it was kind of wow. on a whim, but it, it was, it was a great yeah. decision that led me eventually out to San Diego. So, you know, I'm happy wow. about it. Very cool. Well, uh, I guess since this is productivity and tech, I should ask you a couple of tech questions as well. Um, or productivity questions or in questions. I mean, either either one, all three. Yeah, you know. in questions. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know if I have any good in questions, uh, but uh, well, okay. Um, so for me, one of the things that I struggle with when I'm, I'm at work uh, is I get distracted a lot. Um, well, stop. And, uh, that's, that's the easiest <laughs> one. I'll send you an invoice done. for $300 now. <laughs> wow. That was worth every penny of it. <laughs> just to hear that. You know, honestly, you could just sell a recording of yourself. And if you click outside whatever window you're supposed to be working in, just Jay says, stop. And <laughs> just tell, send, what are you, you doing? Cut that you out. You can build automatically through Stripe for $500. Or <laughs> um, 
I, I think, would subscribe to that. And and you know what? You're talking you're I think you're gonna ask like how do you manage dealing with distractions? Yeah. And if yeah, if yeah. you are, I think what you just <laughs> then we got said, distracted. <laughs> well, what you just said is, is really important. Like stop. <laughs> and I know it's easy to say, like, oh, just stop getting distracted, but it can be that easy. Uh, one of the things that I do a lot of is I work from my iPad and people are like, oh, you can't do real stuff on, on a whatever. I'm, I'm not joining that argument today. Uh, mm-hmm. But here's something that I did. I bought a Raspberry Pi on that Raspberry Pi. After I installed Raspbian, I put uh, all, the, you know, Python 3.7, Python 3.6, Python 2.7, all the different Python distros that I would ever need. And I spun up most of the active projects that I'm working on. So, and then I have an app. I have a couple apps. I have one called Coda, which gives me an actual text interface, like a text yeah. editor. Coda was my first text editor I ever used. Perfect. So yeah, Coda for iOS is a great tool. Um, I'm not to not to pimp them out, but if they want to be a sponsor, mm-hmm. hit me up. Um, and then another <laughs> one called Termius. And I've actually been using Termius more lately only because I am, like, I still use Vim. <laughs> like, I use, I use NeoVim, oh. but... I use Vim because it forces me to focus on writing the code. It focus it makes me not wanna like, oh, I need to program these bells and whistles and oh I need to, you know, add these plugins and do these other things. And and the reason I'm I'm saying all this is like on my iPad, I can only have one, maybe two apps open at a time. Whereas yeah. right now we're recording on, on this MacBook Pro that has, if I just hit command tab really quick. It currently has 12, 13 applications open, some of them which shouldn't be open, but that's okay. I just won't touch it, and hopefully it won't break, so that's good. But (laughs) as you can see, there is less of an opportunity for me to get distracted working on a device that only allows me to have two things open at a time than it does when I'm working from a device that lets me have 30. And and the same thing with my phone. Um, We didn't talk about it, but on the side of task managers, I use pen and paper. And I mean, I have this tool that, you know, you're looking at where you see the show notes and stuff, but when it comes Mm -hmm. to actually like figuring out what needs to be done that day, what needs to be done in the future, I track my programming issues on pen and paper because it is Uh literally one of the only ways as someone who has ADHD, it is one of the only ways that I can look at what needs to get done and not get distracted by the other things that will grab my attention almost immediately, Twitter, email, any of those things. So when I say like, well, just, just stop. It's, it really is that simple. It's just, sometimes you have to get a little creative as to how you actually make yourself stop. Good answer. Yeah. So, so you basically need to, um, put the blinders on, so to speak, and make it impossible to, to get distracted in the first. Yeah. And, and there, there are different ways to do that. I mean, there, and one of the things that I do like with coaching clients is I always make them take a personality test and it's so that I know Uh how, they're best going to be receptive to the way that I am instructing and giving advice. Um, So what may work for one person won't work for the other. There are people that have to use different applications like cold Turkey on windows, or um, there's plenty of different plugins on like Chrome and stuff that'll do the same thing. And there are things that like will force you to get up and do things (laughs) and uh, focus. uh, The focused app on Mac is a good one as well. And, And these aren't to pimp any of these out either, but the whatever you have to do to make things happen like i said i have adhd i will forget something i forget at least one thing on a regular basis like every single day at some Mm -hmm. point and i have to stop and turn around and grab something so if 
one thing I never forget is, well, that's a lie. I forgot my notebook like two days ago. <laughs> Usually one thing I never forget is my notebook. And that's because like when I'm not actively working in it, I put it in my backpack. That way I know like I usually don't leave the house without my backpack. A few days ago was the difference because I overslept. And yeah, you know, you start the whole day off wrong and it just yeah. spirals you yeah. know, all that whole thing. But at the same time, like have a routine have do what I, what I call our rules. Like I have rules around certain things. Like if I don't do this thing, I have to pay the consequences of doing that, of not doing that thing, which is usually like, Oh, Hey, I don't want to cut the grass. Well, if the grass doesn't get cut in, you know, you know, by Saturday, you're going to go across the street and pay the guy next door or pay the guy across the street or pay his kids, whatever, however much so that yeah. they'll come and cut it. I don't want to give them my money. I work hard for my money. I could go and cut the grass. Yeah. It's going to take me 45 minutes to do it. And that's like stretching it. That's if I'm taking my time. It could, I could sure. probably knock it out in 20 minutes. And I tell myself, okay, what's more important, 20 minutes or $20? Uh, 20 minutes. Okay, so yeah. I'm going to do that thing. That's how I enforce my rules. Like I tell myself, like if you buy something for yourself, you need to buy something for someone else too. And that helps keep me from buying a bunch of stuff that I think I want in the immediate, but I don't need, <laughs> I really don't need. Cause it's like, then I have to go and figure out what I'm going to get for them. I have to do some shopping and I'm just lazy and I don't want to do that. I don't mind buying them something, but I want it to be kind of a spur of the moment thing, not necessarily out of obligation. So, you know, we, if you create these rules and these boundaries, it is relatively easy to keep yourself focused. And that's, I mean, that's just the way that I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. Have you, have you um, experimented with like a screen time or any of the controls, uh, the time controls that like the new iOS has rolled out recently? I mean, I, I have, but I, I honestly don't like, I, I get the little screen time report and I look at it and I just go, oh, that's nice. And then I ignore it and go <laughs> my bed. like, like, I mean, I, yeah. it just doesn't bother me enough to turn it off and it doesn't concern me enough to, to sit there and stare at it and be like, well, last time I was, you know, this is a 43% increase or a 23% yeah. <laughs> decrease. It's just like, I, I use what I have to use to get it done. People will waste more time trying to figure out how to be productive than just doing the thing that would make them productive to begin with. And yeah. that is something that I am trying to fix with developers these days. <laughs> well, I think what you're also saying kind of speaks to the fact that like different people uh, can set up different incentives and have different ways of thinking, uh, which is what you kind of talked about with that personality test, right? Like, so for me, I'm, I am very metric driven. Like I want to see a checklist. I want to see numbers. I need to see a chart. I'm an engineer by, by training. So um, that's kind of how I think about the world. And so for me, uh, I actually really like the screen time thing because uh if, if i'm like you know going over my time on an app i'm like oh it's gonna mess up the chart i'm gonna have like one day where the chart looks weird um so like I, that for me like my phone usage has probably been cut in half since i i started using that and that means that uh i'm getting hours back that i can i can focus on work but for you that maybe that wouldn't work like you've got your own system so uh i, I think it's really interesting and it's a fun psychological challenge which uh if you guys are, are curious jay can definitely help you solve for yourself um, uh, but, but to, to figure out what motivates people and can keep them focused is a really interesting area that I, I'd like to learn more about. Well, I, I actually know a guy that does some coaching stuff that you can, uh, you know, yeah, you can reach out to him anytime and <laughs> no, but in, in your, he's you're one right. of the two people on this podcast and it's not me. Yeah. <laughs> you're definitely right about the, the idea of knowing how you work. And, and that's something that I used to say in the, in the old show was like, 
everybody knows how they best work because that is how they are working. Like if if Mm -hmm. you know what interests you, if you know what makes you tick, then look at how you can structure more things to go around that, whatever it is, you know? And when you do that, you realize later on you're not actually working. Like you're, you're just, you're doing a thing that you enjoy doing, you know, like you said, just the fact that you see that metric and you want to see it go, uh, go down, you start taking action to make it go down. Whereas for me is I, I really don't care how much time I spend on my phone because I know how I'm spending that time. Right. Um, I mean, most of it's playing Hearthstone if I were being, if I were being honest, but you know, <laughs> the, the other time is me getting on Twitter and like busting my butt on, you know, for hours trying to find people for the podcast, trying to find new clients, um, just learning, looking at links. Like it, it's not me, you know, playing Candy Crush again, Hearthstone, but you know, it, <laughs> it, it's, it's me saying, Hey, I need a break. So I'm going to go play Hearthstone or I, or Hey, I need to get this thing done. So I'm going to go get this thing done. Um, and, right. and that's, I mean, that's the best way to, to manage yourself. Well, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we may be running out of time. Uh, do we have time for more questions, or wait? Are we at the end? Uh, I think I think we should probably call it just so we don't get you know a random person jumping into the yeah. uh, to the <laughs> chat. But what I'll do is I'll stop the recording uh, there. Let's do that. Let's stop that, and then I will stop this recording as well.